Everyone knows you should never take a physicist to a sci-fi movie. The same can be said about a biologist and a creature feature. We can point out how certain things are biologically unlikely or downright impossible, but that would be boring. So rather than pointing out what can't happen, why not ask ourselves, what if it was real? So using my super nerd levels of knowledge about biology, physics, and mythical creatures, my friends and I will explore how different creatures could have actually evolved on our planet and what they potentially would look like. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, this is Mac. Hi, Mike. I'm Dean. And welcome back to A Real Creature Feature. So before we get into talking about Loch, the Loch Ness Monster, I just I had a thought that came to me like uh, over this last week about unicorns. And I was like, duh, this is something I probably should have talked about, but it didn't pop into my head. Because the, the thing about it is like when you think about like animals that ram, like, you know, they always have like two points or something like that, or like a wildebeest where they kind of have a real uh, a dome kind of thing where the horns are. I was like, when you have like a unicorn where it's like a single point, it's like, and it's coming right out of the head. I'm like, that's kind of a very fragile point in your body too. So uh, here's uh, something that's actually really interesting. If you do the math, the amount of pressure that is being exerted on the earth by the Sears Tower, uh, what's it called now? The Willis Tower. The Willis Tower. So yeah, if you take the amount of pressure that the Willis Tower exerts on the planet, it is less than, I, when, when I heard this uh, statistic, it was like, I think I like a 100, 130 pound woman wearing stiletto heels. Oh, see, I, I was wondering if you were bring that up because in physics class with Mr. Cox, uh, we talked about surface pressure and he, yep. and he gave the point. Have to step on your foot, an elephant or a lady in stilettos. Oh, elephant! Yeah. Elephant. Oh, when Resident Evil Village came out, when people were like, "Oh, step on me, lady, them matresque," and it was just like, uh, big, uh, uh, Kyle Hill did a great video about it, and he was like saying, "It's like, yeah, if she stepped on you with basically normal feet, uh, she would like puncture your body." If she definitely stepped on you with he any kind of heel, she would crush your skull. They want to be submissive to the big mama. Yeah, that's what they want. That's uh, you're 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 saying this like they don't already know this. I, it's more of a I want to make sure that you know this, so then I don't feel bad about you getting your head crushed. Also, she's yeah. also she's fictional. Yeah. Okay. I don't want any. Well, you don't want anyone really to step on you with stiletto heels. There's no, there's, well, there are, there are people who want that. They, yes. they've made their choices. Yeah. The, those people made their choices and they know. Hence why, like, the knife is called a stiletto. Yeah. Because it's for stabbing, making that single point just go right in there. When I was, when we were talking about, like, the really long horned one that might be actually using it for stabbing purposes or, or something like that, it's like it would have to just to make sure that people had, like, a vis visualization that, like the base would still be pretty wide and then go into a point uh, because you wouldn't want the surface area to be too narrow because hopefully it would just snap off. But, you know, it could just probably go into the brain depending on how it's structured. So like, I just thought it would be a good idea to mention that. But 
Now we'll talk about the Loch Ness Monster. Oof. The long neck Barracuda. Yeah. Yeah. Duh. Uh, yeah, so this was a couple of weeks ago. I, I got to meet um, a bunch of guys from Chicago, and one of the guys that was, came with them was from Scotland. And so he helped me a little bit with my Scottish accent, which I have uh, thus lost a little bit of it. Like, it, it takes me a bit to, like, get deep down into that particular thing. Uh, so I, I won't be doing this the entire time, but I know it's possible. At least it's not my Irish accent. Or you speak from the heart. Oh, I thought you were talking from a box of Lucky Charms. Oh, wee bigara. You stole my Lucky Charms. I'm offended and I'm not even Irish. I, I disagree with all accent work. No more accent work from anyone, ever. Uh, so Michael, what do you know about Nessie? Uh, big fish in a little lake, mostly. Uh, it's, as far as the, le- as far as the legends go... It's a it's a plesiosaur, as they as the usual saying goes. Uh, the only movie I've ever seen on it is from this movie that we rented in when I was in college called Beneath Loch Ness, <laughs> which was a really bad CGI Loch Ness monster. It played like it played like Boggy Creek, only the only the Loch Ness monster was truly just like. Leave me alone. I will kill you if you keep coming here. <laughs> Yay. Yeah. Which is essentially what it was. Because it was a bunch of researchers. It was a bunch of researchers. It was a bunch of college kids going out with their professor looking for the Loch Ness Monster. And that's all it is. But yeah, it's... It, I, I don't know anything else about it. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I'm, I'm also kind of banking on Dean talking about a very specific movie of his that would be closer to him than it would be for me. Now, Dean, what movie are you going to (laughs) reference? Or what do you know about the Loch Ness Monster? So I've seen some, like, uh, movies, uh, documentaries where they try and uh, echolocation the bottom of the lake and other avenues to see if they can see any large fish. Now, I don't know, are you talking about water horse no there is a movie water horse i remember watching water horse is a more recent one Mm -hmm. made by the same company that got the rights to do the uh lion witch in the wardrobe movies that came out oh okay okay okay. uh so they made that around the same time that they were making the uh lion witch in the wardrobe uh movies i was hoping you would bring up a very specific children's film uh with a certain uh ben kingsley in it oh uh for those wondering the movie's called freddy the frog oh no that's the british that's the that's the british yeah, i was gonna say that's the american cut the british cut is freddy as fro7 it is Dean is doing his best to describe what is this insane film. What the hell? Yeah, I just saw one of the, I one of the images I just saw is a bunch of KKK members yeah. behind a snake lady? Yes, yes. That's his that's his aunt who's a witch who turn basically poisoned him turning him into a frog. It's this movie is insanity. It is somebody who took a bunch of ideas 
threw them together and said, I believe this was originally a, you know, you know how people are like, oh, Winnie the Pooh originally was his bedtime story for his children or these other classic children's literature stories. Oh, Watership Down started as him telling stories to his girls while he was driving them back and forth to school. Oh, this is little Jimmy's bedtime story. Well, this was somebody's bedtime story, and you can certainly tell that there was no coherent planning to the beginning. It was like one thing that changes to another thing to another thing. This was basically Axe Cop before Axe Cop. Axe Cop makes more sense. Um, but I want to, but I just want to talk about this because I'm like, I have this image from it, and it's the the ant in her snake form, and she has hips. Yep. And yes, uh, shoulders. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. No, that's yeah, that's exactly what it is. It's. Are, have you seen what she looked like before the transformation? Yeah, no, I, I, yeah. there's images of that too, and uh, yeah. yeah, her hair looks like her hood. Yeah. This the whole movie is just utter insanity i didn't realize it was brian blessed who was playing this playing the guy and i but oh i love brian blessed he played the evil guy on uh tarzan and the actor that they had in disney's tarzan couldn't do the uh do the tarzan yell so they hired Brian Blessed and got him back onto the line so that he could be recorded doing Tarzan's yell. Hmm. Well, no wonder they, uh, well, Brian I mean, Blessed. he's in a lot of stuff. It's interesting because they don't really have a, um, okay, there it is, performances. Uh, they didn't have it on his Wikipedia page. Like, Why would he? Well, honestly, the entire thing is the guy, the quote unquote villain of this thing is in it for a whole of maybe 10 minutes. When you start talking about Brian Blessed and this movie, you're just like, I want to see your movie sucks review of this. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of shocked that no one has brought this up or as a bad thing. movie. Mike. Oh, he was boss Nass. Yeah. I was, I was going to bring that up if you somehow hadn't found it. Uh, yeah, because I recently, because of, on Game Pass, they have it for like you know basically for free. Uh, Lego Star Wars, ah. and uh, I saw that he who was credited for his boss Ness, and I was like, and I was like, oh, that actually does sound like the guy in the movie too. So yep. I had to scroll up and look. I'm like, oh, cool. Well, He's he the is, same actor. Yep, he is boss Ness. Yep. The uh, I I enjoy I enjoy Brian Blessed's performance, not as much as Dean apparently. But, but it's a it's a thing. So tell us about your Loch Ness monster. So I looked into a bunch of Loch Ness sightings and stuff like that. Basically, just went to the Wikipedia, and yeah, uh, it's always interesting just seeing the giant gaps between sightings and everything else. So first sighting is Saint Columba. Uh, it looks like Columbia, but there's no I in there, so it's C O L U M B A. Mm -hmm. Oh, Columbo. A. Columba. Columba. Oh, uh, Peter that... Falk dressed in drag. Good God, Dean. <laughs> That's, no. It, it wouldn't be in drag. 
Uh, but uh, so this happened in 565. I'm not even going to re- go read it and everything else about that. But I'm like, that's one of the first stories of things happening. And then, you know, it jumps all the way to 1871. Mm. So not a lot of other stories that deal with it. I'm like that probably weren't just like retellings of the St. Columba ones. Uh, hmm. And then, you know, uh, didn't happen. Then the, the other one was in 1888. And that one where someone describes it looking like a giant, actually just, just a creature that looks like a salamander. And then it doesn't, then until 1933, when there's hmm. more sightings. And that's when it started becoming more consistent. But the thing that I always thought was kind of interesting because if it's an actual creature, you would get mostly consistent or like consistent in the sense of like, if you look at it and squint, it will look the same. But until like after the 1930s, that's when you start getting like this kind of like more plesiosaurus-ish style or look of um, Nessie. Now you talked about the salamander looking one from around the 1800s you said uh 1888 okay so so basically in the 19th century and obviously we have saint columba in the 6th century does does saint columba have a description of this thing uh did, did, did early report monster in the vicinity of Loch Ness appears in the life of saint columba by ad adamen also known as ewan yeah. so there's a this person who lived from 1624 to 704 Telling a story that supposedly happened in 565. Oh. So, yeah. Even if they did have a pretty good description of it, I it it's, it looks like it's like something that would describe like what a Kelpie is. So in uh, Celtic, um, Celtic and Gaelic mythology, a uh, Kelpie is basically like a water horse. Depending on the version of it, it looks more like, you know, a seahorse or it looks like a drowned horse that lures you in to drown you. Maybe one day we'll have we'll talk about that one. Do you have a particular lady I would like to uh, get on to talk about it? But that one's going to be a lot more difficult because she's actually in Scotland. Look, just be awake. It's not that hard. That's what I do. I'm on Scottish time. Maybe she she can do mornings. It'll be easier. So I wanted to look into like uh, also look in and the actual lock too for a lot of this stuff. Yeah. So. Max length is about 22.5 miles, 36.2 kilometers. Max width is 1.7 miles, 2.7 kilometers. I'm not going to do any more of that one. Uh, Surface area, 21.8 square miles. Average depth, 433 feet. So pretty Mm. deep. Max depth is 744 feet. Mm. Um. So I'm like, it it sounds like, yeah, it's a pretty big lake. It's a freshwater. Yes. Yeah, it's in the inland of um, Scotland. But by the sound of it, especially if you're looking at a creature that's supposed to be as like momentously large as the Loch Ness Monster, it's not a huge area for it to live in. Yeah. I mean, that's I mean, I'm not going to say this. It's still better than like a tank at SeaWorld. Oh, 100%. Oh, I didn't know this. Okay, so uh, the deepest lake in Wisconsin, or at least that's what they've told us for years and years, that it's the deepest lake, is Green Lake. Yeah! And Green Lake is only 236 feet deep. 
Yeah. So wow. Loch Ness is way deep in a lot of spots. So I'm like, that's that's actually kind of interesting. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so here's the thing about it is when you have a big creature, that means you have to have an ample food source so that it can get that big. So yeah. yes, potentially a creature could that large of uh where is it? Um oops. Dang it. Accidentally closed that window and I did not want to do Did you say when the description started to replicate a plesiosaur? Uh no, not really. I just said where it's probably started was more around um after nineteen thirty-three. Uh, what was it? Um, Arthur Grant, 1934, motorcyclist, uh, claimed to be near creature approaching Everton Lock at moonlight, according to a small head attached to a long neck. That looks like it might have been like the first time that kind of description of small head, large neck body. I wonder if it became more cemented around the time that they dredged up a well preserved plesiosaur body off of the coast of china uh no because when would that have been i'm just saying i was wondering. they weren't so the first please soar was discovered in 1823 because yeah that's the thing is yeah i don't know where this particular please also isn't all that as big as we think it is um three meters long wow it's a baby i guess that's the next question how it in the now debunked photos of the Loch Ness monster Scale makes it the idea is that the scale makes it look big, but we don't actually have like I've never imagined the idea of how big an actual plesiosaur. Oh, this is what I was thinking of. Uh, April 25th, 1977, the Zuyo Maru carcass was found. Oh, like I said, there might have been here or there uh, descriptions but I didn't know if this sort of made it more set with the wider public to associate the plesiosaur with Nessie. No, because, well, at least in this article, it was, or not article, but what you showed, it says new Nessie. Yeah, but the entire thing is, if we have the idea of when was the, like, when did Ness, when did the Loch Ness Monster start to really, because like you said, there was a, there was a 1300 year gap between the initial quote unquote sighting and the next sighting of the salamander. So it looks uh, the, the, the decomposition pattern of a basking shark whose spine and brain case are relatively high uh, calcified for cartilaginal fish. So that's what that thing might be in the article. It talks about the, about the, Jayumaru carcass, which was most likely a basking shark caught off, caught by a Japanese fishing trawler off the coast of New Zealand in 1977. This carcass, um, a basking shark is a, basically a shark that has a really big mouth. But yeah, I'd say yeah, basking B A S K I N G for those at home. It looks like it didn't start really until uh 34. Oh, this surgeon's photo which i'm pretty sure is the one that was like known figured out oh no this is a hoax it's just a wooden log 1955 pat McNabb took a photograph depicting two uh long black 
humps in the water, which once it's not really giving a good description. Huh, 2007 was when they had a, a, a the Holmes video. So also like one of the uh, Loch Ness Muppet was 1977. And then uh, Holmes video is 2007. So it's like few and far between. Okay. So, so really by the sound of it, the entire concept of what we think of the Loch Ness Monster isn't even that old. So, I mean, arguably, both basically came around 1977 with the potential idea of this photo of two humps, you know, in the 1950s being like the first major piece of evidence. Then, you know, potentially these two just happen to be that this decomposing basking shark looks quite a bit like a plesiosaur that might be decomposing also. I could see where you would think that would be, hey, that doesn't look like a shark. <laughs> and I certainly wouldn't not knowing what a basking shark looked like until, you know, not really knowing what a basking shark looked like. I've seen photos of it, but I wouldn't have known that's what it was called. And let me also throw this out. This carcass, when I was in elementary school, was pointed to partly proof of the great flood and noah yeah, being that... real why because prehistoric because prehistoric dinosaurs are still being relative found relatively recently that aren't fossilized completely just bones fossilized yeah then there's you go up to these mountains where noah's ark has fossilized and has been home to pterodactyls there's a thing called pareidolia, which is basically just it's part of the human's ability to see patterns like pattern recognition is very important for our survival or was uh, probably as still is. But it seeing a pattern where there really isn't is what pareidolia is. So, yeah, seeing a, a plesiosaur in this random assortment of decomposing flesh where I'm like, oh, yeah, I could see how people could look at that and see it. I mean, it really could just be that thing of one came like one came first. It almost doesn't matter which one. I mean, yeah, using the term new Nessie, arguably, yes, they like that idea of it being a plesiosaur in lock in the Loch Ness would be then the idea of then they pull this thing and they're like, oh, this is proof that these things are not just here, but there are a number of them. But granted, at this point, they've also only quote-unquote, found two of them at this point. Where are the rest of them? Where are the rest at? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so uh, this one's a plesiosaurus was a moderately sized that grew to 11 feet, 11 or 6 inches. Okay. So, you know, fairly, uh, yeah, yeah, I guess, yeah. So, like, plesi so plesiosaurus as we know them might not have been as big then. Yeah, as what things like how they're generally being described in. So, like oddly enough, I could see something that size more more than likely, yeah, existing rather than how it's always being depicted in a lot of these stories. It's like where the things giant. It's like no, it can't be that big because reasons. You know, because you need to have an actual food source that can uh yeah sustain. keep it going, and also you need to have a population base to be able to actually have these things not be so inbred that they can't reproduce later. Yeah. That's a thing too. You, after a certain limit of like population density, there's a reason why the term functionally extinct 
exists. Functionally exists means basically means we still have examples of these creatures around, but there's not enough of them to actually keep the species going. Uh, cause so I did look into this cause I was looking into like the ecology of Loch Ness too. And, uh, um, and I was just looking up. So, uh, uh, fish that they have are European eels, Atlantic salmon, Northern pike, common minnow, brown trout, Arctic char, um, three spine speckleback and the brook, uh, lamprey. Like those are common things that are found in the lock. There are probably other fish and everything else. Um, and I know a couple scientists have done this, like, uh, which basically it's um, environmental genetics. So what you do is you just, or ecological, ecological genetics. Uh, and yeah, what you do is like, you just take a bunch of samples throughout the, from the water and you just see what genetics are present. And it's really interesting because of how not interesting it is. Like, there isn't a lot of stuff that they found. So you're saying the lock is uh, relatively mundane genetically? Uh, yeah. I I did actually have an article with this. And so this is also kind of cool. So, like, a lot of the like the scientists are, that were doing it, it's not so much that they were trying to prove Nessie or disprove Nessie, but it was also just more of a way that they could just, like, be, collect data. Uh, there's a couple of different schools of thought with a lot of the stuff. It's just, like, just collect more. The more data you have, the better it is because it's just like you're just having an endless model that you can probably possibly have later on, and like you can use it as a reference later. Hence, why like the whole um, fingerprint database. That's kind of that concept of we don't know if it's going to come in handy now, but it might come in handy later. Yeah, I regret getting fingerprinted. Yeah, in 2017, researchers announced that they isolated Neanderthal DNA from soil in the Spanish, oh, from soils, soils in Spanish, Russian, and um, Belgian caves. For example of what this is, what they're talking about. Yeah. Uh, so... But in this sense, no. Uh, so it's not like we're looking for uh, dinosaur DNA in the water because that's not possible. In the sense of like, dinosaur dna can't exist now because it would be too degraded to the point that it's not recognizable as dna if like at all um just a little bit of r and so you're saying jurassic park lied to us yes i think i already told you that what does this have to do with Loch Ness monster everything even if the some plesiosaurs have survived to the present it'd be difficult for them to live in the lock. Ecological studies suggest that Loch Ness doesn't have enough fish to sustainably feed a breeding population of plesiosaur, which could weigh upwards to 2,000 pounds each. So um, a question about the plesiosaur. Um, they have lungs, so they have to breathe Yes, air. they are not fish. They are... Um, they don't have giant gills. No, they're not fish. So this is also something that I was, uh, they're part of the Sauropagira, uh, lizard, fl lizard flippers. That's the particular uh, taxonomy name. And that's basically, yeah, where all the different like flippered dinosaurs are. So like Leoplerodon and like all those other ones. But then uh, it goes to the, because when you were talking about are there any dinosaurs left or anything like that? Or uh, how closely related dinosaurs? 
so dinosaurs uh branch off into the sora soria uh clad and um lizards and other things uh broke off before then turtles are also part of that so that's where like the soria where you'd get crocodiles birds are in the archaeosauromorpha and uh, yeah maybe or they're just messing with me one of the two i won't put it past them the, the scientists you can't trust them anymore i can't trust anybody well then why are you doing this with us because you're not the scientists so therefore i can trust you but we are people i'm just getting lost in the different branches of everything else uh, this is something that I found interesting when I was uh, watching a video from because uh, I mentioned them before uh, Moth Light Media. Um, they talked about this. So think about all the animals that we have on the planet right now that we know of. Like you, you've seen no other creature looks like a plesiosaur. Like there's no underwater creature that has that long neck. No. Uh, so, yeah, their necks seem not to make sense, but. But evolutionary pressures seem to have kept it around for a very long time, like from the tri uh, Triassic to Jurassic to Cretaceous. They had there were these long necked uh, swimming dinosaurs. And the thing about it is like how we perceive like how they've been depicted in like earlier media where it's kind of like more like a snake where it's like can rear out of the water or like how we see it in the different depictions of Loch Ness. It looks like their necks couldn't actually do that. It was too. It would be too stiff. You're talking about examining the verte. Uh, what I meant, what I was trying to say is, are you talking about studying the actual uh, vertebrae of skeletons to determine that it couldn't actually hold its head up like that? Yeah. Well, it's not even that it couldn't hold it, its head up like that. It couldn't do that uh, curve. It couldn't curve that that S shaped curve. It could do like a like a gradual like an arch kind of thing, but it couldn't do an like an S shaped curve. There's not enough muscles for that, or there it was too stiff. Because the thing about it is, you don't want your neck to be all super bendy when you're swimming forward like that, because any little motion you're gonna like pull yourself in that direction, and so you want to have that kind of muscle built there so that you could keep your head straight, and then like look more like an arrow than anything. And what, it was actually kind of, it was cool because when they were talking about like, well, what's the purpose of this thing? And, uh, but clearly there was a purpose to it or there's a benefit to it because there was also uh, another type of plesiosaur. It was called the Elasimosaurus and it had even, even longer neck. Its neck was about seven meters long. And that was about like half its body length was just the neck. Wow. Yeah. And even then, that one still couldn't do the F-shaped curve. Oh, no. It's like there, But now there are no other animals with that neck. So there's a possibility that, like, that unique hunting style is completely gone. And, like, we'll never know if there's something that, like, uses a very similar style to that. Because you will see repeated patterns over and over and over in evolution uh, yeah. for different animals and everything else. Because I'm like, if you look at the... Um, the difference between a uh, wolf skull and a Tasmanian devil skull, or not Tasmanian devil, Tasmanian tiger skull, they look v remarkably similar, but they're not related closely at all. And there are so many different yeah. decapods, like crabs, type things that look like crabs, 
false crabs, like all this other stuff. Same thing with jellyfish. We do have, a, there are repeating patterns that we'll see in nature. Yeah. Decapods, crabs, the final evolution of every creature. Exactly. Um, so it's like, clearly there is a benefit, but we don't know what it is because we don't have a, an example that we could like study it. Uh, one of the things that they uh, they suggested was that it was because of how the nature of like um, fish being able to like sense their environment, like how in a school of fish, you see all the fish like move all at once kind of thing. It's because of their sensory package. Um, but it's because of that long neck, it kind of probably gives them like a very different kind of profile to their senses. Uh, think about like um, sonar like or like radar with planes, how the like the B-2 bomber, like it's deflects away uh, so much of the um, sonar radar that it gives it a smaller profile when it bounces back and hits the um, dish. Uh, okay. So that that could be a possibility. Or one of the things is because of like the combination of their long interlocking teeth. Uh, maybe they're the neck. It does have an indication that it can curve a little bit, not like drastically, but like, you know, enough that it can like be higher up and then scoop and scrape uh, through the um, sand and dirt off the uh, lake or ocean floor. And just collect uh, shells and stuff like that because it was like in the last Mesosaurus, they were they found shellfish shells in with those skeletons. Now, uh, here's something that was kind of interesting too because so most of the plesiosaurs didn't survive the uh, up to the Cretaceous. Like mm. really, the only ones that were around were the Elasmosaur or one of their cousin like their cousin species, which was the uh, that's oh no, where is it? Uh, uh, pliosaur, pliosaur. Um, and those guys, uh, they're kind of like the ones that you would see a lot of times where it's like that the ones that had the big head, big mouth, and the really short neck. That's what they look like, yeah. Um, oh no, no, never mind. They, those guys were wiped up by the Cretaceous, too. My bad. Um, where did I put it? Uh, it was another part of the uh, plesiosaur branch that, um, Rather than having long necks, these guys had short necks. And they were the uh, polycloitus, which had very short necks and long heads. But they were about the size of a dolphin. With like, Think about a dolphin, but had like the four-fin plesiosaur basic design. So if you wanted to have a creature... Oh, and yeah. but And some of those guys actually also eventually even adapted to freshwater. But then a big rock hit the earth, and we know how what happened after that. Wait, what happened? Don't spoil anything, though. Oh, okay. Um, Dinosaurs went to the Great Valley. Oh, yeah, they did go to the Great Valley. Uh, rats, rats got, uh, or rat-like creatures got, um, you know, a little step up. They were like, yay, we, we, everybody's at the Great Valley, so we yeah. can take over. Yay! Yeah. And then we immediately got giraffes. So uh, we need to throw the so, giraffes so, back into a lake, and then we got modern-day plesiosaurs. Eventually. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's, it'll still take time, but... We can select a breed it into them. Hairy or blubbery? That's going to be the real question on that one. Yeah. I think it would be probably hairy, because they already have the hairix accent. But yeah, it's like the polycloitus uh, ones. So the only thing you could ever have for uh, getting an actual factual Loch Ness monster 
definitely isn't as big as you'd want it being like it's been ever portrayed. Yeah, it's never going to be as exciting as you think. The biggest that you'd probably get is something the size of a seal or a sturgeon. And that's why that is the common explanation for what people are seeing is like, oh, it's a sturgeon. Because I'm like, sturgeon have those bumps. And if you don't have a like a good frame of reference on like how far something is, maybe it looks bigger than what you expect it to be. And also sturgeons are really gnarly looking for those who've never seen one. Oh, my God, they are. They are downright prehistoric when you see one. They are. Yeah. What would Wisconsinites know? Sturgeon Bay? Wait, we have sturgeon here? Yeah. I gotta go. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. They're bottom feeders. Um, and But that's the thing is like, but sturgeon aren't also all that common to Loch Ness. So it's like, well. And, uh, but then yeah, they have European eels and eels can get ridiculously long. So that's why it's also another one of the common. This is probably what it is. And we don't know how they reproduce. Eels? Yep. They go and disappear, and then they come back with babies. Just like our parents. Well, I wouldn't know anything about that. I'm the youngest. <laughs> Same here. Dean. Yeah. Oh, eels. Yeah. So, yeah, eels. That's a common one, because some eels can get pretty big. And once again, we have, we have that whole notion of a gigantothermia, where it's like, it's kind of cold there, and you kind of need a bigger animal so that it can generate enough natural heat so it can properly move around uh the other ones that were uh i was a commentator which actually would also explain like why how you could have something there for so long uh his uh a greenland shark yeah so a greenland shark oh those could live hundreds of years yeah greenland sharks are pretty cool but they are very slow and uh I don't think anyone would ever be able to misidentify because they could just basically go closer to them. And they're like, oh, no, that's definitely not it. Yeah. Yeah, they're more of a uh, an oval tube. Yeah, they're very slow. They only live in really cold environments. They live under the North Pole. A very long time. I think they like one of the estimates was like 300 years, I want to say. Ugh. Oh, Never mind. Here's one 500 year old. So for that one, it would also can can explain how uh, you could have like these discrepancies in years and stuff. Like, how could one thing survive for this long? Blah, blah blah. I was like, well, this is how the thing's super slow. It doesn't eat all that regularly. That's the only way it could happen. It could be a migration thing too. I don't know if they would migrate if that there's something that slow. But I don't know. I don't know enough about green lynch sharks. But it was just more of a... I mean, I was just theoretical. Uh, since they live so long, they could they could potentially have longer migrational patterns. Uh, well, I would have to look into that one. I think I don't think that's how it works with migration. I think with migration, it ha it is because of a yearly cycle thing. Yeah, because normally it has to do with climate, at least from based around at least based around birds. Yeah, but then I guess it'd be like could be like an El Nino cycle kind of thing too, where it's like a four year cycle. It would have to be something that's like a. It's so old and s moves so slowly. <laughs> its migration has to take so long. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's all about why it's even migrating in the. If it was a migratory creature, why it's is like it migrating the in the first from... place? 
it's like the giants from Hilda. They said in a hundred years we'll meet here. Oh uh, yeah. Oh yeah, that's true. <laughs> but the the thing is, it's this one's unique. Mostly because I A wouldn't like you said, there's not really any long necked fish. The closest we have is a long necked mammal. <laughs> we have a we have the giraffe. Yeah. And yeah, that's pretty much it. I think I'll also break down one of those things where you're when you were like for the joke for uh dream killer. Yeah. So Loch Ness Monster is one of those things that took a little whimsy out of the world for me. Oh, because I wanted the Loch Ness Monster to exist for so long. I was talking about this with my sister. It was like to the point that my siblings would say, hey, you know, I just heard a thing on the radio that uh, they discovered that it's not real. And like all this other stuff. And it's one of those things that it just me like looking more into it, more into it. And then it just slowly but surely. Nope, nope, nope. But wanting it to exist. So it's not that I'm I'm out to like destroy these things. And hence why I was like, I don't want to destroy these things because it's not fun to destroy. It's more fun to build personally. Well, I mean, well, I would say this. What if? And this is a what if. What if they're just hiding among us like the Sasquatch? <laughs> just, I mean, Doug Jones is a weird looking dude. He's a saint. Yeah. Oh, I'm not well, saying he isn't. Not, I'm not, not saying, saying he that isn't. he doesn't look like an alien, but. Yeah, yeah. yeah, no. He's definitely one of those people that I definitely want to meet. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying he's not a good. I'm not saying he's not a good plesiosaur. I'm just saying. He's a you know, dangly with dude. With all the movies yeah. that he's been in, I I almost, well, he wouldn't necessarily give Lon Chaney a run for his money because Lon Chaney did most of his stuff with subtle makeup, yeah. where uh, his makeup is far more, you hardly ever actually get to see his face. Yeah. Under all the makeup. Yeah. But yeah. So yeah, that's, that's all I got for it is... It's not a plesiosaur because they're too big. If you wanted that it evolved in something that is smaller, seal-sized, okay. I will allow that. But as it is, there's no way something that big could survive in a lock that small and have a population big enough to be breeding, that it could just keep existing for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. Now... Could there have been, let's say, the last one was when uh, St. Columba was there? I'd be more willing to accept that than that it's still around now. Yeah. But even then, maybe not. It'd probably still have to be, it would still be too big. Yeah. But it's, I mean, and I get this wanting to believe in these things, but, and again, I know you wouldn't be ha- I know you'd be you wouldn't be happier to be more wrong. Oh <laughs> like yeah, some- I would love it. I would love it. Every time I hear someone say uh scientists are just afraid of being proven wrong, I was like, "No. If we're proven wrong, that means we have an entirely different thing that we can study." Yeah. Yeah, we can cut it open. Mhm. We can cut it open and live inside it like a Star Wars. Well, not that far. That's weird. Aww. I wouldn't want to be. I would want to. I would like to dissect it and uh, learn about it, but I wouldn't want to live inside of it. Why would we want to dis? You know, why wouldn't we want to see more about it? 
I mean, that's the thing. It's that it's that thing of it falls into that realm of conspiracy theory. It's easier to believe that something is hidden, even though conspiracy theories are. Yeah, it's it, even though conspiracy theories don't usually work out because the it, it's conspiracy theories can't work out because people love to talk. Yes. The, the basic premise of that, I was I'd like um, the whole notion of these are the things that the sci- that scientists don't want you to know about or doctors don't want you to know about. It's like it's like, have you ever had a conversation with a scientist? We won't shut up about the things we're studying. They, they tell they tell you what they did, how they did it, and what oh my and why gosh. they'll do it and why they'll do it again. Yeah. American History Channel. We have found mermaids. And the Megalodon is real. Aliens. Aliens. Okay. So what should we talk about next time? Nothing. Yeah, oh yeah, that's right. Let's talk about let's talk about the nothing from the never ending story. Isn't that just growing up? I, I I always took the nothing as the loss of innocence or the loss of imagination. So growing up? <laughs> oh, fuck you. That's, <laughs> you. You can go straight to hell. You can go straight and directly to hell for that one. It's more of the argument of um, Roger Ebert videos are not art. Video, video, video game. games are not art. So books are the only way to get use your imagination and get stories. No, that's garbage too. Movies now can be how we get stories. Now video games are how we no. can get stories. You know it's the first... all, it's the it's the utter yeah. it's the utter disbelief of what's coming along and believing that it is going to destroy imagination and creativity. All right, my friend. Uh, fine. I'm, I'm calling it. We're doing Chubacabra. Okay. We're going to be, let's go talk about the movie species. Yay. Species. Why are we talking about this movie species when we're talking about a Chubacabra? You'll find out. Watch species and you'll find out. A Real Creature Feature is created by Matt Kuklinski, starring Matt Kuklinski, Michael Seaman, and Dean Snow. Any questions, comments, artwork, or general inquiries can be sent to realcreaturefeature at gmail.com. You can view any submitted fan art and pictures on our Instagram at a real creature feature. Some episodes were recorded weeks in advance due to our current sporadic recording schedule. Any comments left will be seen and addressed at some point, and you will be credited unless you tell us you wish to remain anonymous. If you like the podcast, please leave a review on the podcast app that works best for you. It really helps us out. Also, tell your friends, enemies, and total strangers about the podcast. They might enjoy it too, and that can bring us all closer together. So, before you uh, get off, um so i found this out um because the the new final fantasy the new final fantasy remake game came out today nerd uh, crisis core um what is up with this because now there's a apparently there is a painting in the game that has a getty watermark on it yeah there's actually apparently a painting that has the getty images watermark on it and all i can think is why i i get the idea of why like, <laughs> you're running out of time you're running out of time to fill a world 
I get that. But come on. That's this awesome. is in the actual video game? Apparently. Again, this is from Kotaku, so I take a lot of I take some of the grain of salt, but oh, that's hilarious. I, I, I do believe that that might be the case. I hope I hope it was just a but it didn't it's not at the end. Because that's just oh, yeah. sad. Oh yeah. Um <laughs> But apparently it's also the case that in um because apparently this is like not uncommon for to happen in Square Enix games because they have this this like stuff like this happens all the time. It happened in Kingdom Hearts three. Also, one of the cutscenes has a watermark on it. Yeah, I I need to get a new keyboard or I need to see if there's an update for this wireless keyboard because yeah. I just put in brand new batteries and it is hit and miss. Yeah. I downgraded to wired. Everything. So wired. did I. Well, I, I did too. After, um, Dean and I were, when we were back in our old, uh, back in our old YouTube days, we, uh, were playing Bendy. Dean was playing Bendy and the ink machine. And the first time we played, he was having a bitch bear of a time using mouse and keyboard because, from where he was sitting so he could get a good view of the screen while still playing, uh, the wireless would not re- could not get a hot, good enough signal to be consistent, which really sucked. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. I bought a, it's one of those, like, I bought one of those gamer uh, keyboards. I'm like, meh. Not a, well, here's the thing. For me, like, I wouldn't mind if I was if I was playing in the dark. I wouldn't mind having an RGB keyboard, you know, yeah. something that does have a glow on it. I just but, changed it to red because I like red. I, I'd probably use a green just because that would be a, a good bright color without killing my eyes. Although well, red's that's a why good you color go with too. red. Red's I don't better. like red. Well, no, I'm saying like so. If you ever want to, um, like not mess with your night vision as much, use but. a red flashlight. I want to I want to mess with my night vision as much as possible. I want to be I want to be surprised when the zombie kills me. Okay. I, I mean, have I, re- I have really good night vision so I'm like I just would see it. 